0: If you don't stop imagining these crazy things, I'll take you to a doctor to have you examined. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. It's Saturday and we are here. Manson Mitchell, delighted to be in your ears. Suzanne. Yes. Glad to be with you again. Yes. And I'm Gary Mans, and we're Cynthia still Mitchell. partnered Yep, on yep. Air yep. and Otherwise. Yep. Nice. We also are partnered with our buddy, Tall Guy, Nathan Miller at the board, our producer. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Gary and Susanna, and you're not the only ones that are doubled up in your own little studio there. I got, you know, our guest has also come into the studio to be with us on the radio show. I appreciate him for making that trip. And we wanted
1: to bring you a friend so you wouldn't be so alone there, I appreciate that. That's
0: right. In your little hovel with a space heater, or however you keep yourself warm against the elements. (laughs) Or is it a pretty nice day in Seattle? You folks may be having it nicer than we do here in Sarasota. Well, today I'm accompanied by a pretty nice view of the Olympics. Every time it rains and then the sun comes out and you see those Olympics, always such a great view looking over the Puget Sound and seeing the Seattle skyline with the mountains in the backdrop. It's true. It is. I am quite familiar with that view and hope to be there again one day. I keep making threatening noises about coming out there and doing the show live and direct from the KKNW studio. I aspire higher and I haven't lost track of that. We miss you folks out in Seattle. Lots and lots of friends out there, lots of friends of the show. And it would be great to get out there and meet some of them again. But one friend we have now here's a guy, he's somebody I regard as a pal, a buddy, a chum that I have yet to meet. In person. We haven't broken bread. We haven't bent an elbow. We haven't shared a cup of coffee at our favorite bistro. And that's going to happen someday. Matt Shea came to us via Eileen Grimes, whose show follows ours. And I'm grateful to her because this man is He is learned, he is very experienced, and he maintains a keen interest in just about anything paranormal, particularly with regard to ghosts and ghost research. He also delivers his stories, his accounts, some of which are firsthand, with a kind of grace and a casualness that I know our listeners always enjoy because we get great feedback about Matt Shea. He's
1: like a reporter on the beat.
0: He's He is. He yeah. is our ghostly correspondent. There so you we, go. <laughs> and he's going to have some updated ghost news here for us today that I found out about during a phone call just last night. I think that will be our lead off story. But for the moment, it's enough to say
2: hello, Matt Shea, and welcome back, sir. Oh, thank you so much for being with me. And we've met a million times in my book because all the time I'm with people that you've done shows with, hobnobs, stepped out to dinner, all the time I'm with them. And your names always come up at that dinner table. Case in point, yesterday when you called, that's what was going on. We were talking about Gary and Suzanne. And oh, I got to get my phone. Well, there
0: you go that's <clears throat> synchronistic fantastic well good of you to say so um, and they are their fine couple they still broadcast on 11 50 a.m and uh, it's it, we're part of a radio family that's it's interesting to me how and i've worked at a few radio stations they're not all like that dysfunctional functional families oh my goodness and it's not that we're immune to uh, you know this or that controversy or conflict of interest, but we work it out. I wish that were true everywhere that I've worked. KKNW is a good good radio family to have. It's a big welcoming family. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's interested in having a show of their own, by the way, they didn't even ask me to say this, but I will. If you are interested in dipping more than a toe into the radio industry in the easiest possible way, I would contact the station. Eric Kramer, who introduces us every time we come on the air, is a gentleman who superintends a good deal of the business transacted at AM 1150. You can get in contact with us through Nathan and let us know if you're interested and maybe something could be worked out. It's a great place to be imagine doing seattle radio very agreeably diagonally across the country from sarasota 15
1: more than than three thousand miles away
0: and 15 years later who would think that we could have done that yeah we used to have these microphones it's called a tie line and it was set up and uh, suzanne i well remember how we would step into the middle room where we used to do the show from and it would look like (laughs) a spaghetti bowl of black wire (laughs) licorice spaghetti all over the floor to get this broadcast uh, wrapped up and and delivered. But in the era of Zoom, and Nathan, this must be a boon to you through Zoom technology. Look at what you can do today.
2: Yes, he stepped out momentarily. He'll be right Ah. back. But I need to weigh (laughs) in on this. I've had the good fortune of having initially one show with the 1150 AM KKNW Alternative Talk. Through the many shows here, the family concept of you and Susanna just pointed out, I've been in the studio over 50 times. When you get wow. in, it's an entire family to explore, not just one item. I agree. Yeah. Okay,
0: down to business, Matt. You were at a place that I, last night, you were someplace that I could hardly imagine exists. Do I have this right that... The venue where you were talking to our friends, the line gang, Skip and Sharon, that it's a former Episcopal church and now it is a, a restaurant, a cafe. Where were you exactly?
2: I was in the Merkwood Community House and it is in Arlington, Washington. The address is 117 East Division Street, Arlington, and they have a phone number. that is 9020. The Mirkwood Community House is one popular place. It initially was an Episcopal church from 1898, and I always enjoy walking up those grand steps because to the right you see the plate there, the metal plate that has been there since 1898. Since then, they've had a fire, And when it was reconstructed, it became a series of shops. They have an incredible cafe when you step in. We all sat down, had a meal, and we couldn't decide what to get because everything was great, including their chili. We each had a little cup of that, and it's a sweet, mild thing that is just right. Not too much one way or the other, but you can doctor it up. Great place to have coffee, and yes, they have two bars, one upstairs and one downstairs but they have an awful lot of spiritual ongoings there that they basically advertise. They talk a lot about it. And by getting on the internet and putting down my town of Marysville and I just put down haunted places within, immediately the Mirkwood came to life. When I went there, they were the most hospitable people ever and then they had one story after another. Now keep in mind, When you called me yesterday, we had Skip and Sharon with us from the Psychic Spectrum Radio. I am not one who clearly sees ghosts and so forth all the time. Are those two ever seeing eye dogs? They caught many, and they coincided with stories that the servers had to say, the bartender had to say. They were all on the same page. Oh, you saw that too. Did you notice that? One of which was when we were upstairs, Sharon saw a monk dressed from the Friar Tuck era, maybe a little bit like how we come to know Uncle Fester. She saw him coming down the stairwells behind us. I did not, but people who worked there said, oh, you saw him. Yes, we do. When you come into the main entranceway, and this is very peculiar, we did a show a while back in Snohomish and there was a woman by the name of Catherine from the 1800s who had a tragic death at the Oxford Saloon. She wore purple, and there was a little bit of Mary Poppins about her, her, her um, image, how she looked. A purple flowing dress from the 1800s, and clearly something's funny about this picture. She, a description identical to her, had entered the lobby of the Mirkwood. And so they're gazing at a nice enough person, what an outfit. And then when they turned around, she was gone. Well, that's the history of that whole place. People are saying things constantly, and it sounds as if that was our Catherine paying a visit. Uh, Who else could that be? Now, tragically, we had a mother and son team who were in the Mirkwood And they're looking at the entryway, that loft above the door. And the mother said, that's odd. I just saw a shadow there. And the boy said, Mom, that's where my friend Barry hung himself. The staff said, yes, we do have a Barry here. And he's not always there, but that is where he took his life. Now, here is something on the opposite side. It's kind of humorous. When I walk by some of the door jams, such as one leading into the kitchen, they have a little notch, and it's about maybe four foot from the floor, and they said, this is a little girl we call Samantha. When we see her image pass through a door jam, we try to measure it. There are several door jams where they did that. You know when you grow up, how every year you go to the door jamb and see how tall you now are and compare it to last year. That's what they were doing, basically. She is playful. They don't know why she's there. They will take building blocks and put them on window sills and then come back later and see they were moved around or placed in another room or another windowsill. They have watched them move. She is mischievous. There are people who are sitting at the bar having a good old time and then when they got up to leave, their shoestrings were tied together.
0: <laughs> That's <Some> old school. <laughs> well, I like
2: her, believe me. I could relate to that. But she is seen. Last night, Skip pointed out, I just saw a little girl, and he described her. And she kind of walked through the room, stopped, and went back. He caught that. I could not. He and Sharon saw someone dressed from a past era walking by and dissipate. I can't see these things. This is what they're world-renowned for. They did. Now, there was a doubting Thomas in the room months ago. Nice guy, regular customer, but he was just putting his foot down saying, I don't believe this. The section he was seeing, sitting at, he was horrified because some gruesome entity, whatever it was, came through the wall there and terrified him. And that guy ran out of the building. When he came back, he shared what he saw because the owners know him well, where it happened. They said, Yes, we've had people comment about that. And uh, he now believes, but he's never returned to that establishment he used to hang out at. From the outside of the building, the upper right window, it's two stories, at night, people claim they see the ghost of a woman. That is where the Olympic Barbershop is. Skip, Sharon and myself entered it. The person there, the entrepreneur, was cutting someone's hair. He said, oh, yeah, things happen. He said, recently, something grabbed my elbow, whatever it was. It wasn't hurting me, but it got my attention. And my client, a friend getting a haircut, said, well, it must be one of those ghosts. You know all about this building. So they laughed it off. But he said, yeah, sure, that's what happens. Behind the stage, when you walk into the main entrance and you have the bar to the right, dining room area, you're looking at an auditorium, a stage, looking back at you. Behind that stage, they hear the voice and see the image of a girl, probably late teens, maybe 20, and she's calling out for her mom. She's doing that. Now, we heard stories that because of the age of this part of town and that building that they had some no-nos going on because this wasn't always a church, and they talked about tunnels. A gentleman next door was living in the house where at one time the priests were housed. And he says, you heard about the tunnels, haven't you? He took me to his basement and showed me where the wall was patched up. And he says, you know about the little girl, I would sometimes meet her down here. This is an old cuss talking to me. He took me to the Mirkwood downstairs, lined up where his tunnel was, opened up the closet and showed me where it was all patched up. And he said they connected. And he said when he bought the house years ago, there would be a draft, but there would also be voices, and he would see things like orbs with it. There were some ongoings there during the Al Capone era. It's a fascinating place. I've been there at least a good 10 times. And every time I go there, I'm updated. The owner, sadly, she recently lost her father-in-law. Her husband and his dad refurbished this 1898 structure recently. When the father died, people would say, well, I keep seeing this shadow. It's a tall, lanky man wearing a cowboy hat. The first time they saw that shadow, a portion of the lights went out. And this defies nature because the lights are all connected. They're either all on or all off, and they're looking at the switch, and it never moved. They get activity like that, a constant, hey, I am here. This is all three levels. Now, downstairs, where they have the patched-up tunnel, they forewarn you about the entryway to the men's bathroom. Every single person asked me, you know about the men's bathroom, don't you? There is something that will actually give you a shove, a push that's not so friendly. Nobody has been knocked to the ground yet, but they say the entryway, just outside of the bathroom, there's sort of a shoving contest going on. Downstairs, they have a tattoo parlor. The middle floor, they have an herb shop. They have the restaurant there. Upstairs, they have the barber shop. They all have stories. And here is a kicker. The building had a fire in it many years ago. I think it goes back maybe in the 1920s or 30s, quite a while ago. At night, there are people who have called the fire department because they were for certain they saw a fire growing in the basement because they have the windows that run parallel with the lawn that they could see down there. Yes, there was one almost a century ago. There were no fires.
0: What do you conclude from that, Matt? And
2: I ask you in the context
0: of appreciating you as a paranormal researcher, we have turned you into rather a correspondent or ghost guy. And when you hear these stories, first of all, how credible are they by and large? You can find this or that case that might be more believable, more plausible than others. But if you look at, at the general research that you do, what does it tell you about the nature of the phenomena as well as the people who report these stories to you?
2: Well, the, everybody, the owners, and each and every shop owner all have the same stories, they're on the same page. And then people who patronize the place will tell you these stories. And then sadly, Barry took his life there. There's something about a suicide and a life dwelling in that general area. And so it is called the Mirkwood Public House. And again, it was as if they were describing Catherine herself who had lost her life about 100 years ago in another town, her dress, her height, her look, her Mary Poppins look, everything, it seems to be exactly what it is, quote, end quote, a community house, a hub. You have people that come in and stay there till closing time, and they'll even extend closing times if they have enough patrons there. I think it's a hangout. That is my opinion. A spiritual hangout as well as for those of us on this side.
1: It reminds me of the show Ghosts, where they got people hanging out from all different eras <laughs> in the same place.
2: I knew you'd work that in. <laughs> that was mentioned to me yes. last night. Skip mentioned that movie Ghost, which I have not seen, so they're going to make a connection so I can. But it seems to be we're still here and everything is just fine. That's the impression I get. I have never seen anything here. I've got the cataracts on. I'm going to be the last one to see something. Skip and Charon, they are great seeing eye dogs. They caught things left and right. And then later I said, there is a little girl. How did you know about that? A monk. Well, this was an Episcopal church 100 years ago. They were the right people. And trust me, the chili (laughs) is good. (laughs)
1: Very good. Very good. What a great story. I, I, I like the fact that it was formerly a church and then it was repurposed into these other things after the fire. I was saying to Gary, do you suppose there's more ghosts or spirits hanging around places like churches because there's a lot of high emotion in people going to the church and oftentimes if they have funerals that might be the last place that the body was before it was cremated or buried so do you think there's more activity in churches than other places you know just like you might say there's more activity in cemeteries because that's where the bodies
2: are buried yes it was like the final it was like the final stage that we could relate to that that's right. a dwelling place. Well, again, Sharon saw a Friar Tuck, so to say, an Uncle Fester, right. so to say, and they claim that they do see things like that. So I will go along with that. I love churches. The older, the better. They don't have to have the haunting attached to it. Just the fact right. that they've stood the test of time, I love to enter them.
1: Yes, And yes. they, they have stained glass.
2: It has all the markings of a church. It is definitely a church. And in my opinion, it still is.
0: Yeah. Very good. Before we go any further, let me ask you point blank, Matt Shea. I'm not going to ask you, do you believe in ghosts? What you are reporting, do you believe this to be images, representations of disembodied entities, spirits that were once human and now appear to be earthbound, as they say, trapped between worlds? Is there an actuality to
2: you, or are these just great stories? Oh, I grew up witnessing things like that and being afraid to mention it because I thought I would get in trouble. We're going back in the 1960s, but eventually a grandfather up the street would say something my grandmother would say something. There's a little more to it than my fear and imagination. I 100% believe that we have spirits around us. There's a transition that takes place when we pass life as we know it. And we try to be clean about it. We're not trying to taunt, we respect. But here, it is something that seems to pursue you. You don't pursue it. When you have people who accept a job, they love the coworkers, the community, And then what was that? This stuff is everywhere. It is. Uh, I 100% believe in that. And the concept of earthbound, I don't know if some or all are being punished. I don't know if it's a holding pattern or when you cross over, then you learn more. We're so restricted on our side. Uh, Pets certainly pick up on this. You bring a wonderful, loving dog with you, they catch on really quick what's going on. But to answer you, Yes, 100%. That's why I'm doing this. I would be minding my own business, and I would see something. I had to sign papers years ago that I bought a condominium that was haunted. Then the owner told me what to expect. I never saw any activity until it was for sale. It was my last week, and then we heard footsteps, looked at the front door. I had the door open, the screen door closed. And something grabbed the mechanism and started flexing the aluminum door till it could finally push it open and clomp, clomp, shaking the floor a bit, setting down heavy steps. Whatever it was, spiritual, I don't know, but we saw that door open and we felt the footsteps. Every so often in my life, myself or somebody I know, something peculiar happened. A big question mark. Yes, I do believe
0: i guess i lean toward belief in it though i've had no such encounter i've had a few paranormal things happen they're not explainable to me absent allowing for the possibility that someone somewhere is trying to get a message through to me i have had those experiences i would say several of them don't know how to explain them without that reference and to put this on a higher, a much, much higher platform, let me ask you, and we'll get this in before we take our break. Matt, do you know the story of the Reagans moving into the White House and what happened with their little dog Rex outside the Lincoln bedroom?
2: I know that Goldie Meyer herself pointed at a portrait of Abraham Lincoln and then pointed at his bedroom and said she saw that person who's painting there. Sitting on the edge of the bed, taking his boots off, getting ready for bedtime. And then they explained that was Abraham Lincoln. But I do not know about the Reagan story.
0: The long and the short of it is the Reagan's dog, Rex, entered the White House, went to the Lincoln bedroom, and whatever that dog saw or sensed thereafter. Rex would not go in, certainly not willingly, into the Lincoln bedroom. He would bare his teeth, he would bark, and his hair would stand on end. He did not want to go into that bedroom. No other room in the White House affected Rex in that way. And it was during a, I guess, question and answer news conference, some interview with a gaggle of press members, that Ronald Reagan actually told that story. He found that fascinating enough to mention, and I'm glad that he did. That's part of White House history.
2: I've had people from Europe laugh at us, and they said, "Ghosts? our castles have them. They're just family members that are still with us, and they would laugh that we are so dark ages about it. It's, come on, everybody knows they're out there. That was their take on it.
1: Oh, very good. Yeah, it seems much more enlightened, much more open-minded to uh, not just poo-poo the idea but say oh yeah they're around.
2: That's it I and like that's that. it's a big question mark what was that and when you go into an establishment you're with your friends you're gonna have a wonderful evening you love the kitchen and then there's stories attached tell us those stories let's see what's happening uh, realistically you're not going to see anything but it doesn't deter you. Uh, these ghost hauntings usually are not terrifying There's kind of a cute element about it, like it's getting your attention, but it's not a negative. It's kind of amusement. What is that?
1: Yeah, curiosity. I like that. We should go take our break.
2: I think that's a good idea.
0: Let me tease this. When we come back, I want to talk to Matt about the storied Sorrento Hotel and all its elegance. Not to any appearance would you think it's a scary place, but stuff happens, man, and Matt has got the scoop. He went and stayed there at Christmas time. Was it Christmas night you were there with your daughter?
2: It was Christmas night. My daughter made the arrangements. We're going, Dad. We're going. And it, I'm still saying that was the best evening of my life, Christmas. Every time I see my daughter, that becomes the best one. Christmas night, yes,
1: All right. Great story. You're going to want to hear it. We are talking with Matt Shea and you are listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Give us a couple minutes. We'll be right back.
0: Hi everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.
2: Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell.
0: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomes Susan Smith-Jones, holistic health educator and lifestyle expert who talks about managing stress from her new book, Wired for High-Level Wellness.
1: On Saturday, the peaceful warrior himself, Dan Millman, joins us to talk about his autobiography, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
0: Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Matt Shea. Matt, you've got some wonderful stories. We are so eager to get into more of that in the second half of the show. But before we do, I don't want to miss the opportunity to direct people to your website and anything that you would like to share with our listeners about how they could connect with you. So how do they do that?
2: Well, my website is mattsheabooks.net, and that's S H E A, mattsheabooks.net. And I do have a free audiobook, and I also have some free stories. And I've just completed my pa- number nine paperback, and I have several publishers I'm going back and forth with, and I have to choose which one. But the book should be out in about two months. I'm very proud of this one, and we'll just keep it rolling.
1: Very good. Very good. Gary, what's the next story?
0: We are going to the Sorrento, the stately Sorrento Hotel in
2: Seattle. Matt Shea has a story, and he is ready to deliver it. I've taken two attempts at the Sorrento. The Sorrento Hotel was built in 1909. They have a phone number, 206-622-6400, and they are off of 900 Madison Street in Seattle, Washington. And so they overlook that half of the city. They overlook the east side of the city, but you could see downtown in its glory. You're surrounded by beautiful buildings that are 100 years old. It's a fantastic place. When I did my usual, I simply got on the Internet, haunted hotels at the Pacific Northwest, The Sorrento and a few select others were on top of the list. I called the Sorrento upon doing that, and I asked that, and they said, room 408 is our headliner. I go, really? And so I booked it, and I got out of my home, and I went there that night. And so the whole staff is great to me. Somebody at the desk I identified who I was, and, oh, you wanted that haunted room, 408. So I go up there, and there is quite an aura to it. And I'm not psyched out because I've been in pursuit of these things for many years. This is kind of like the Lincoln Dog Rex. I kind of felt funny, should I even go in there after I stepped in. And so what I did was I put my items down, and I left the room immediately, and I went downstairs. I had met the night shift manager, Lex, who was fabulous. She gave me a pot of tea, set me up in the bar, and then various workers would come in and tell me their stories. So it's amazing what goes on there. They had Alice B. Tolkien as your featured haunting. Now, Alice B. Tolkien was born in 1870. Alice B. Toklas, you mean? Toklas, yes, forgive me. Alice B. Tolka, she was born in April 30th, 1877, and she died March 7th in 1967. She's initially from San Francisco, and they say that her haunting takes place because she spent most of her childhood in the First Hill area, Madison Street area. And so many sources said the house she grew up in was in that neighborhood. There was one that said no. The house she grew up in is now where the hotel is standing, and that is why they see her all the time. She comes across as a woman in black from the 1950s with a parcel, and they use the term hip and cool. They say she's humorous, clever, not violating in any way, humorous, that type of thing. In that room that I was in, you could cut the tension with a knife. And as I mentioned on the last show, I finally chickened out. Ghost of to Mr. Chicken. That was me that night. And when I left it, I heard a groan sound. It was unmistakable. It was like a bow on a violin going a great length. It was that type of sound as I was leaving, and I continued to leave. And then when I went downstairs, they had more stories now that I checked out. So anyway, I told my daughter and dad we're going back. We planned Christmas night. We had a fabulous evening there with some more stories thrown in. And one of which is they are now handing out a flyer that says Hotel Sorrento Haunted Luxury and it features room 408 and what to expect. And I don't think they're handing them out freely. I think you have to prod a bit and to mention, because all these all sorts of paranormal groups go there, upon mentioning the topic, oh, they give it to you. And it has quite an interesting story here, but they're meeting you halfway, they're giving you a heads up, they're letting you know. Now the man who worked the night shift said, I never believed in that stuff, and I've worked here a few years, until recently he and his wife stayed a night there, and when they saw her hairbrush on a nightstand, vibrating and moving around, kind of like how a bee will do a little jitterbug dance to communicate. Nothing else in the room was doing that. They said, okay, something spiritually is getting our attention. On this flyer, they had an elder woman recently who was in the bar with her husband. It was just the two of them at the server, and she felt something icy cold press her lower back. Nobody's there. It must be haunted. When she went upstairs, she did some research on the internet and haunted this, haunted that. She said, of course it is. I just experienced it. When you know something like that, you know it. And I love what she said. She said, it's scary and it's fun. And that's why we're here. We want to have that fun of a little scare and we saw something, but we want to make sure that we're not getting into the dark side. We're at a zoo and we get kind of close to the cage, but we're playing by good rules. Lex, the last I heard, one of the maintenance guys went into her office and she was terrified because something had just presented itself to her again. She's not being singled out. The entire hotel is getting it. And the people I've met in the bar and in the restaurant, they were regulars. They're looking for it. It might be a night where they see something again. And yes, among other things, glasses do move in that bar. A bottle will move over. A lamp will Things are getting your attention.
1: Do you see these things move or do you notice after they've been
2: moved? I have not seen anything yet, but the vibes in that room killed me and I had to back out of it. The next time around, my daughter and I were in that room. We had a great time and we were probably having so much fun that if something was trying to get our attention, it couldn't interfere because we were having such a great time this is a corner room that looks over seattle the christmas lights are on the hotel is decorated beautifully we just loved it so much but again you're always having paranormal groups going there and they say that the most hauntings for example upstairs is a piano and it is known to be on the seventh floor and it has been known to play by itself, and they say Alice had taken piano lessons when she was a child. They've had the elevator open up, and they would have this on surveillance camera. By its own, no one's present. That elevator goes to the fourth floor, and they would see on surveillance a black, cloudy mist exit that hotel to get on the fourth floor. Ooh. The sixth floor... When we were there last time, one of the help there told us that room 600 had voices in it, and he knew it was not rented out. So he radioed the, first de- the front desk, and sure enough, that is empty. He entered that, and he could still hear a man talking. He looked in the closet. He looked around the room, and then it dawned on him it was just one of those spirit phenomena. The hotel has that. That's what he was hearing. He left a little shaken, but it wasn't his first time having such an experience. And they say all of 6th floor, 7th floor, 4th floor seems to be the granddaddy of it, but the whole hotel, and they say the basement. The basement has had ghost hunters down there with their recordings, and then they would go up to the front desk and play it, and they would hear voices saying things like, there are a lot of people down here.
1: Very cool.
0: Serrano a cool place. You know what? You want to go for a glass of wine sometime when we're in Seattle next time? And I hope that is very soon. Go to the Serrano. I haven't been there. I was in the bar. I stayed until they were vacuuming around my feet. Did this bother me? No, I'd been through that many times. I would criticize their technique. So I go, who taught you to vacuum? And they're just trying to close the place down. Really nice people, thoroughly professional in elegant surroundings. So we'll go there. We'll have a glass of wine sometime, maybe with Matt Shea. That
2: would be a good time. My daughter and I got to have dinner in front of their grand fireplace. That fireplace from over a hundred years ago, a grand fireplace. The heat. We got Mm. to sit there with others right in front of it, to the point where we had to move our chairs back a bit because of the warmth. All all Mm. night long, the people there are just fabulous.
0: They are indeed. Very nice. Been so long. Got to get back there again. (laughs) All right, Matt, change of venue. Take us to Billy's Bar and Grill way out in Grays Harbor County, Aberdeen, Washington.
2: Billy's is always on the top 10 list, and not just for the state of Washington, but for this country. They often make it nationally. It was constructed in 1904 as a Red Cross Pharmacy. Billy Gould was a serial killer. He was born, let's see, I got a lot of notes here. He was born in Germany in the 1800s, and then he died in 1923 at the Medical Lake Asylum for the Criminally Insane. He was known as Yukon Billy up in Alaska trying to find gold in a bartender, and they noticed that a lot of dead bodies would be found in the rivers in the inlet. He went to the wharf in San Francisco for a while, known as Billy Montana. The same thing happened. They couldn't quite piece it together. He finally became a union official in Aberdeen, Washington, for the Pacific Sailors Union. He had an office over the Wishka River, an upstairs office. I think it might have been a cannery or something, because it overhung on the Wishka River, And it had that trap door that those places had in that era. What would happen is Billy Gould would have foreign sailors address him alone upstairs at his office. He would then shoot them, rob them, dump them through the chute, and then eventually it would travel down from the Wishka River into the Grays Harbor. This was called the floater fleet because they have had over 120 bodies floating in Grays Harbor at that time within a period of about eight years or so. Now, a lot of them were suicides because we had a depression. A lot of them were accidents because we had foreigners trying to catch on and no OSHA regulations, dangerous tactics. Many were foul play. It was also called the port of missing men. Now, where Billy's is located today is 322 East Heron Street, Aberdeen. They have a phone number, 360-533-7144. And again, from the span of 1902 to 1910, Billy was suspected of having killed many. In fact, he had a little houseboat off of Indian River there, and they had found bodies there too. He was finally convicted of two and sent to Walla Walla and later advanced to Medical Lake Asylum for the criminal insane. Now, the women are wearing shirts that serve at Billy's, Port of Missing Men. They have a lot of literature. If you have the time, they will bring out binders of the many ghost people, ghost shows they've done and everything. One of the things they get is they will see a porcelain mug where all the, where the rack is, by its own, fling itself across the room. They say most of their activity happens in the corridor leading to the men and women's bathroom, and in the men's bathroom, shadows and voices and stuff. There is an old-time safe behind the bar that they showed me and they have watched that little turnkey made of brass spin like an airplane plane propeller all on its own. They had a bucket for corks that they had from champagne and wine. And then they would turn around and the bucket was just thrown on the floor and then put back in place and they would have to pick it up again. A woman who has worked there well over 20 years walked into the kitchen saw a five-gallon canister of salad dressing, saw a ladle pick up by itself, go inside the can, scoop up a full ladle full of salad dressing, rise, go next to the can, gently set it down on the counter, and it oozed all over that. She saw that by itself. One woman saw what looked to be Billy Gould sitting at the bar. Because he used to be a bartender. He would always do that as second duty holding a job. And when they're looking at each other, she watched the image slowly dissipate, go away, become invisible. Upstairs, there was a famous killing where a lady of the night had a discrepancy and killed her boss. A lot of haunting up there, a lot of stories. Shadow, cold spot, orbs, voices, things moving. They allowed me up there. It was a very vast feeling. They show me the area where the bullet hole was. This happened a good 100 years ago. And again, in its own, there is stuff going on up there, obviously because of the, the killing there. They will hear voices at night. They say that sometimes a repeating order comes through their system electronically when nobody's there. It's the same dish over and over again. It's a shrimp dish. They don't know who's doing it. It's not a glitch in the system. Things like that are happening. I had been there six or seven times. Skip and Sharon have been there. They were wowed by it. They will each update me of the latest things that happened, the most recent things happened. They have watched doors open by themselves. They would hear children talking and look, And nobody is there, and they just heard it. And they say at night when they're closing, it's the most spooky. There are those who refuse to be there alone. The staff is friendly. They'll talk about it. And, again, they have literature about it.
0: Hmm. Enough said about that venue? Interesting place. Okay. And Er
1: is Aberdeen on the... a peninsula or an island or what? It's
2: on your way. When you go down I-5 and then start to yeah. head west to the ocean, you will go okay. through Montecino, and then it'll be Aberdeen, and then Hoquiam, and then okay. Ocean Shores.
1: Okay. okay, I don't think I've been to Aberdeen.
0: No, and I've been by it. I wasn't there. I went many, many years ago and spent a couple of nights, a weekend trip where we stayed in Westport. They're lovely area. Really is. They even have a small ferry where you can go out. And if you're lucky, we were not that day there, but uh, you can go out and look for the whales. They will show up. They just had no interest in meeting me, I guess. But it was great to be in Westport, which is a nice village community unto itself. And if you want to go and spend a two, three day weekend there, highly recommended. Can get pretty rainy. We have only time for, I think, a short story. Let's see what's going on in Tacoma, Matt. How about, uh, eh, let's look at Alfred's Cafe. There's a place, I admit, that I've never heard of before.
2: My buddy Pete, who I do a lot of road trips with, uh, he loves these radio shows. He's listening, and he will turn me on, introduce me to places that they claim to be, they claim to be. Alfred's is an old building that was built in the 1890s, And then they put it on logs and rolled it several city blocks to its present location. And they are located at 402 Puyallup Avenue, Tacoma. And they have a phone number, 253-627-5491. And they have a lot of stories there. Across the street, which is now a bullseye gun range, used to be an old structure that was held as a school and daycare, all girls only. Tragically, many years ago, they had a fire, and seven children were lost in that fire. Mm -hmm. They say that Alford's, in its heyday, had a brothel upstairs, and the workers there would put their children there. They say today that they continuously see a little girl in white kind of like a burial dress, I hate to say, with long, dark hair. And they see her in the bar. They see her walking through the hallways. Upstairs, from the outside street, people will see what they believe to be the ghost of a woman and also a child that seems to be a girl. There's also a little boy in the mix in uniform, as if he's going to a parochial school. They also see a woman from the late 1800s, sitting in the bar towards nighttime. Not only did I read it, but when I was in there, people were coming up to me, and they'd ask me if I did radio shows, and my turn next, my turn. Several took me to this one table in the corner, and they said, we have seen her, we have seen her, and then she would disappear. Another woman is seen in the dining room area in the far corner. They've had people leave because they would watch her evaporate, get out of there. They've had people working there, being told what to expect, but they couldn't handle it when they would see it. Alfred's is a great place. They have a great kitchen. It's like a good truck stop concept where they overload the plate. The regulars are there. You sometimes have to wait to get in. It takes you back to the 1800s, and it's percolating with these stories, and everybody had something to say about it that school that had lost seven children, they seemed to dwell there with their mothers who used to work a different kind of job.
1: Fascinating.
2: It reminds me
0: of the distinction drawn by paranormal researchers who they write and they do interviews, TV shows and say, there's a difference between interactive ghost phenomena where maybe you have a tape recorder and you ask a question or you can't hear the response. Then when you play it back, there's something there. And then there are so-called place memories where it's like history is repeating itself on a loop. Have you heard people talk about that distinction among those you've
2: interviewed at these various places? Yes, I have. Uh, Somebody who I know with great credentials saw a reoccurring accident on the east side of uh, the state, the Yakima, and she said every so often it is seen again. But she says the kicker of, of it is that there was a lot of dirt and dust kicking up when this happened, and when people see it, they still have the dust in the air settling. So something happened there and it's and it's what you're saying it seems to reenact itself to replay over and over again that that moment just before things have stopped
0: i would think a lot of that would have to do with personal attachment a lifestyle a commitment of some kind i would be greatly surprised if a lot of those place memories not to mention the interactive experiences were not occurring for example at military bases
2: oh yes definitely and in snohomish We had a uh, librarian, and her name is Catherine McMurchie, and she had been their library assistant for about 30 years there. She was born in 1870, but upon her death, they would still see her going about her chores that time, and then they concluded it's because she had an unmarked grave. So Evergreen Wash Shelley put down her name and it said, Cherish Snohomish Librarian. And it seemed to give peace to everything. But they still claim that at times this old Carnegie Library in Snohomish, that sometimes she is seen there. Sometimes walking towards it. Sometimes upstairs looking out a window. Sometimes looking at files and stuff. Going about her duty.
0: That's touching. Mm -hmm. They gave her honor and respect.
1: Matt, do you ever get stories unsolicited? Do people want to share their ghost stories with you?
2: Continuously. I get it all the time. I get people who write me. Uh, I will be somewhere, and they it'll be a friend of a friend, and it keeps expanding. Uh, when I was at the Stanwood Hotel from the 1800s, the server walked me around the bar and introduced me to patrons that had something to say. But then they would run you off on a tangent. They're not just talking about that establishment, but others.
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you once I again, love Matt. Your, Shea. your stories, Matt, they're just great.
2: I am already percolating
0: themes, ideas for the next time you join us. Thanks again, Matt Shea. We look forward
2: to talking to you again. Oh, thank you. The answer is always going to be yes. Just tell me when. All right. You got it coming up next.
1: Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising with Eileen Grimes.
0: Have a great weekend, everyone.